0: Greetings everyone, this is V, aka Vernon English once again. And I'm going full cylinder on this one because I'm actually excited and got up early to, well, technically my early, to share these ideas. And it's a real cool thing because I did this a while ago and as I will say, I'm writing in real time or in my mind until I actually put these notes down of all the catalogs, of all the characters, of all the settings and the scenarios and it's a real good thing because I know that this is my process of writing and it is necessarily definitely not the next process to another writer they have editors, they have professional thoughts, they go through and make sure everything is neat and clean and pristine I'm generally the chaotic messy writer who places a note someplace and then we'll come back to said note because he purposely put that note there in the anticipation that he would be thinking of a thought and that's kind of generally how I start. And I write down a table of contents, I write down generally the direction as far as where I would like to go. And it sounds as if I'm just like making these things up or if I practice it, but no, I had did this without anyone watching me Well, technically back in, what, 2015, 2014, and 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, I kind of like took a break, but I was working on something and released something at the beginning of the year. And then now it's 2020 and 2021. So I'm thinking in my mind, it's just time to release a book and I wanted to do so each year and last year i released an audiobook so that technically counts as something towards something towards my goal of building something and i always want to if not embody that just because i know that a lot of people see me as a persona and how i do things but if it's constantly grinding and and doing something as a project and collaboratively Building on the things that that I have to present Then I'm just going to constantly chip away at that And continue to do so uh, Regardless if someone responds or not Um, I'm just thankful for you guys listening Really, really, really thankful And that's why I thank every podcast And for the new listeners And the listeners that have been there Because this actually helps in the process In me showcasing uh, how I write it, it's a real cool thing and, and i like the writing process so much and then uh culminating to me ultimately finishing the fourth book which i will share with you guys and go into the process of how i did so so once again and i lastly repeat that you can have your own way of writing and your own way of designing something and your own creative process. Initially, that is what you have in the beginning anyway, but I don't know. We, we constantly look at others as references and compare our creative efforts sometimes, and, and I never want to do that. Even with my peers, even with people who listen to me, even for future and creators right now. We are peers, but to compare our writing or to compare our experience is by default different and a bit predetermined before we even have the, the breath of air to see the project or to understand the impact that it has so that's all and back to the story okay so basically the first book was dealing with the introduction of characters and describing their plights and their motives or at least describing their situation before they could even get a motive, but to understand where it was that they were going. And I described Onyx because he was a great character who embodied what I wanted to be as a child. And I remember this when I was young. Uh, They asked me, well, what it was that I wanted to be. And a lot of people, and no, this is not a journal, and no, this is not a mansplaining moment <laughs> to my, my female friends. This is a, a story that correlates, and, and it makes sense because I wanted to be a firefighter. And a lot of other people wanted to be lawyers. A lot of other people wanted to be astronauts. But it was something in my head that not just the big fire truck, but something to do with saving someone in a society that seemed to be going in whatever direction it was at the time when I was a kid, but it was just these mystical or mysterious people who existed and knew what time something was going on and knew how to fix it. We're dealing with electrical wire, we're dealing with Ultimately, the breakdown of the building, and how dangerous that is, and the mindset that goes into it. And I hadn't even even thought of all of these complex things as a kid. I was just thinking of them jumping in the fire, and then coming out unscathed, war, just war-torn from dealing and battling flames. And obviously, I, I got older, and my ideals changed, but... I remember that as a kid, and this was probably like four years old or five, and it was the first time that question had been asked. And for me, this continuation of the story is the childlike version of myself that survived. And when everyone else wanted me to be an adult and to be a certain way or to be this, my childlike self persisted, and it got stronger and insanely stronger but more removed from adult conversations and adult conversations deal with obviously opinions and the world matters money this this that and the third but the fantasy elements still remain and so this is the culmination of that story and the result of it is Onyx and as a character I've commented on him before between the juxtaposition between him and Oleander And the reason why I mentioned both of them is because both of them are in this story. And you may or may not have known if I had not said so. And he is basically the antithesis of Oleander. The willingness to save someone and to put his own life in danger versus Oleander who is the person putting people's lives in danger. (laughs) And basically the results that happen from it. And... So, basically, to culminate from this and to point out this juxtaposition of characters and how they correlate is the thing that I wanted of to be note or to be of note in this first and second book, and it was the reason why I said so in the first place, and I thought it was an interesting note or interesting point to have these and to say that, okay, well, this character puts people's lives in danger, but he has no motive. And then the other character has the notion of at least trying to help a character in their journey, even if they may or may not pass away, and then ultimately have a goal of just easing the pain. But, I mean, to what avail? Uh, When there is no clear set goal or trajectory as to their journey, it's just to survive the bandits and to survive cataclysmic oleander and other beings who may or may not exist with magical mystical powers it's insane and to put that all under the hat and then to rest and to it's a constant survival mode that only someone from a refugee place would understand so basically, where the second book ended, there is excuse me, the first book ended. It just paints this picture of what happened between Hugh and a different character. They had the name of Crow, and so Hugh, fabulist, or basically people who believe that God was a man, and then who believed that God was different and could not just be named under, uh, I guess, a gender. It could not just be named as an explanation or so definitively said. And then, too, the possibility of God being a different form or it could be a woman. There were so many other different considerations that she had not even explained, but she just knew instinctively that if someone said something like this... ...then it was a very bold and a very almost cruel statement to someone who did not remember anything... ...and to tell them their own doings and their own problems and issues. She was irate and upset. And the reason why she killed uh, a few of them who were saying this... ...and that's why it broke out into a fight. And so basically as the refugees were amassing one another and gathering to figure out where they were going next, to check on their supplies, to check up on themselves, to just exist and to deal with the things that they had happened to them up to that point, it just ultimately breaks out into a God is whatever fight, all in anticipation of what he looked like and his purpose in doing so. With that being said, this one is a cool, bo- cool anecdote that I wanted to inject in the second book. And I told you that I continued them in different spurts. If it was a one-shot or something that I just felt I wanted to express once, then I would do so. But if it was something as the characters and I wanted to build up on it, then I would definitely and inherently continue along with the story. And so this is the culmination of me doing so. And so it starts, it says, Guardian walked the seas of crimson ties. Burning were the bridges that bind. And so this is basically to say that he was walking across, basically, the ties of humans or this connection that they had, but it was with blood. So blood ties. And to be fair, if no one even knew anyone or their memories, it could have been anything. The possibilities were limitless as far as the connections that someone way may had if they didn't have their memories. And so he's just burning the bridges as a play on words were the bridges that bind. And that was to say that certain refugees would fight one another and not even know the connection that they had between them. It could have very well may been a father and son fighting or it could have very well may been uh, pieces of family members fighting for something That just broke out over an argument of whether God was a man or a woman. And it's insane. And so he says, searching for his soothsayed companion, hoping to the nameless gods, she was not left behind. Not for his safety, but out of an unsaid promise. And the fact that she was a youngling, our definition of child. Bandits swarmed the aftermath of Crow's band, battling versus Hugh's minions. and so then from there he's basically describing certain things as far as the nameless gods because he didn't know their names but then he was just basically describing how and what how and what he felt and it's a stream of consciousness that I I even give and, and no accounts or very few if it is based off of a narrative or first person narrative. And so then he says the swarm the aftermath of Crow's band battling versus Hugh's minions, and that was the story that I was describing. And then Blood painted the tall grass as cool contrast, a firecracker cherry bread, in my opinion. Thoughts began to run wild with fanciful crimes. The second moon was doing it doing a weird dance, blanketing the landscape a night the color brown. One such or one sun eclipses two moons to create such a vision. The other two suns in the distance were making their revolutions by the time. Night would have been a full 12 decacycles, He had to find her. And so I give these weird accounts of deca Cycles and the moon or the first sun and it's basically a, a science fiction planet. And this is just to give some clear juxtaposition of time and the sheer scope of how large Celestial is and to wrap one's mind around it and I even give a first person account of Onyx even giving that said account of what may happen and it's, it's cool because you have a sun over here and the sun seems dwarf but quite possibly is large or the largest thing in the sky And then you have these moons that mysteriously pop up at real times in different moments. And the way that we are privy to one moon and the way that it revolves and pulls upon our earth. And to have three moons that are pulling and going around in oblong and weird shapes. It creates this type of mysteriousness that I could only describe in the story in its best way, shape, or form. And to only akin it, or to give some similarity to how we experience a time differentiation if one was to be in space and experience atomic time, and then to come down here and have like maritime or something like this, and, and to describe the differentiations of the, the experience. It's the only thing that I could properly describe at, for me, describing the the planets or uh, the sun technically as its own planet and a celestial body, but the the moons that revolve around the planet. And, and I'll give another account later on as I describe the second book. And second book is becoming one of my favorites just because of the description, and I've described it twice, and it's the second audiobook that I completed, but... It was just a lot of different ideas. I had a lot of stuff to play with. And the characters and the scenes that I set up are just those introductions. And so I was creating different worlds. And and that was the culmination of that too. So it was basically the addition of me being outdoors plus the addition of me being a science fiction nerd added to a story where the sun was in the sky with two, or three different other suns and then the same can be said of how many different moons are in the sky as well, two to three to four to create a crazy sky picture of magenta, fuchsia, a mixture of colors, indigo and a lot of other different things that we are not privy to here unless you're in the Borealis or on the north of the world, or quite possibly the South Pole. So, basically, that was the reason me of placing that. It says, one sun eclipses two moons to create such a vision. And then it says, the other two suns in the distance were making their revolutions by that time, night would have been a full 12 decacycles. And so that's the example of me describing a time differentiation, and it is quite possibly all out of play. There's nothing scientifically gone into where I can go through and give an account of how long a deca cycle is <laughs> I just gingerly put it in there to say that it could have possibly been I don't know 7 to 8 hours as a deca cycle could be but possibly it could be something else and if one was to go and think about it to our 24 hour days and then to account for a planet the size of the sun and how long a day on that would be, i quite possibly, I'm thinking that it would probably be like our consideration of years or something like that. Something I can't even fathom. So I'll go into the details so that someone who is science fiction privy and who fact checks impossible facts, (laughs) I can go back and answer an account if they were to ask me some questions. But for now, just going to leave them as hypothetical and for the beings and it says that oh and I'll end with this for Oleander and describing the ending of darker the darker the guardian darker than Onyx and basically he had this mindset and so getting back to the story he had the mindset to find his companion and the young girl who he was with And she was a soothsayer or basically someone who could see. And so they got separated in all the confusion and all of the fighting and madness. And so that is his first priority. The first purveying thought in his mind, it's not survival because he could easily fail any man or woman that stood before him. But out of all the confusion, he didn't know where his young companion was and he was basically sick to his stomach that they got separated in such a ridiculous fight. That culminated, and may or may not have been so ridiculous, but in his eyes, the ridiculousness of how it started. And it says he had to find her. That is the only thought that persisted. Then he did not understand love, but he understood the notion of wanting to protect that gifted youngling. Fate sent there, or to her, or fate sent her from above the stars to his side, bubbling with a smile in a world of grotesque degradation tiny hairs on his back of his neck began to peak someone was beyond the meadow someone he he did not want to dance with he searched his very fiber of being the partner he did not want to tango in the least yet the miasmic power of their might could not be stayed he surrendered to their advances yet leapt the meadow to which he thought was a dark forest to his dismay it was quite porous rocks misshaped by otherworldly forces trunks that were open voices he could hear voices screaming some of pleasure no all of them teeming with moist echoes that retained their tone bouncing from his ears to his inner realms there was no just walking away and leaving and so if this was an after-school special story or something where someone had a continued part and they were continuing a, a set, set of stories then this one would be a poster child for that. The part where it says giving in to the advances would be as to someone stalking them in the bushes. And I had it in my mind where Oleander was going through and traveling at warp speed to find his next partner to fight with or to spar with. And it's another thing in the second book where I developed him into this or his plight changed from just being mindless uh, force of destruction to a sense of actually doing something with his abilities and looking for something to match his might. And so basically, uh, Onyx runs into him in the forest. And so basically being stalked, he already knew that his position was already a uh, scene. And so he went into a clearing just so that he could hide better and then found out that he wanted it to be actually a forest. And so I leave it open-ended where the next part of the story is where they continue. And Oleander ultimately looks for their next opponent but cannot find him because Onyx, because Onyx mysteriously has an ability to get away. And I may or may not even allude to as to how he got away in the first place there's certain things in the story and I mentioned this uh, quite possibly over a half dozen times out of all of these podcasts is that everything in the world is always explained everything is already known everyone knows everything about everything and those are the qualities of being an adult but when they read this story which they could possibly say is poetry if they like but there's not all of everything readily explained, even with me explaining it, and that's how I know it's a good story, because certain things need not be said, and this is one of those instances where Onyx gets away, and I don't even explain how. Then, uh, and he ultimately finds uh, the young girl again, uh, his because he's her guardian, but. And the story that leads up, and all of the confusion of how people were battling over whether God was a man or a woman, is a very trying, but it's a great challenge to describe these moving characters that breathe, eat, and live. With that being said, there are certain things that, even for me as a male, To have this empathy and to place myself in someone's shoes also becomes a challenge, but it's a fun challenge and it's something that I I revere and something that I thank for all the others uh, who listen because you're witnessing me describing something that is quite personal uh, to me and is the reason why I wrote it. So thank you all so much. This is the second book and basically, I'll be springboarding in this one for a while, but it's called Darker the Guardian, Darker Than Onyx, and this is the origins of it. If you like any of these pieces, hit the subscribe button. Feel free to leave comments. Thank you all for listening, and be looking for more installments. The more you guys respond, the faster I respond, and I have more content, and I will key you in to the third book, I'm really gonna just like comment and the, the way that I introduce the third book is gonna be actually pretty cool. Then I will have a fourth book ready, so I'll be looking for that. And and thank you guys so much. This is V, aka Running English, signing off. Peace.